folks. I'm uh, Isabella Pasquale, owner of Alpha Fantana LLC. I'm a producer based in Los Angeles, California. I'm joined with my friends, uh, internationally known comedian Michael C. Hall and uh, Zach Handa, who is hey. another comic who hosts Mojo Ministries, an open mic online. And today we're going to be discussing an issue that's pretty rampant, which is kind of on the fringes in mainstream uh, media, but it's very critical. Michael, would you like to get into more details? Uh, yeah, basically, um, what I'm excited about is our opportunity to talk about what a lot of men go through and uh, the damage that uh, covert narcissistic or even overt narcissistic, but more specifically covert for our conversation today, narcissistic women, um, the damage they cause to uh, not only themselves and not only their families, but the men that they try to date and the society around them at large. Right. So I personally, uh, well, Michael and I, we've had some recent uh, experiences with narcissism. And I've spoken personally with 15 other guys, you know, they vary in, um, in age, you know, from guys who are in their 30s to a guy who is in his 80s, who worked with Feng Shinatra for 12 years. And we're all, you know, these are good quality guys who are not abusers and uh, we're very considerate and emotionally calibrated. And we had dealt with narcissistic women who in the sphere of entertainment, this can be a death sentence for dealing with a false accusation, which you know I'm personally dealing with, but I've been taking some legal action. Uh, not to mention I have all the evidence and I have dozens of character witnesses who are very vocal, vocally in favor of myself. Uh, so we have some friends. Uh, there was a client of mine who, he's another well-known comedian who was in Comedy Central's roast battle, a member of The Wave, and he was doing a comedy bit, and he got accused of sexual harassment by some comedians who have very risque material themselves, female comedians, by the way, and uh, my friend, and uh, my client, he he was banned from the comedy store. And this is uh, an overt demonstration of the uh, of the gynocentric uh, prejudices towards men in the entertainment industry. Uh, Michael, you have some uh, friends who've also uh, some notable friends who've also been canceled in this cancel culture because of similar situations. Absolutely. First, let me say, how nuts is it that a place and considered a hollowed ground for comedians, the comedy store, known worldwide, who has produced anybody that you think is funny? You know what I mean? If you are just a fan of comedy, pretty much they've either come out of, you know, uh, the cellar in New York or the comedy store in L.A., uh, the largest names in the world. Now, the comedy store brought out Richard Pryor. And Sam Kinison. Go back and listen to some Sam Kinison. You understand he would have been canceled before he ever had his first special. Uh, you know, so now people getting banned for doing bits. I mean, that's 
literally crazy Nazi stuff. You know, that is- uh, just just to keep things fair, there there's a cool woman that we should give props to, Mitzi Shore, because like this all basically started after she kind of became less healthy and, and wasn't really running That's- the store as much. God rest her soul. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, when she passed, I know things did change there, and yeah, especially after uh, she passed. Yeah. yeah um, not to get too deep into it, but uh, you know the the idea and the prevailing thought behind you know if and I lived this firsthand, and that is that if all you do is make a living in entertainment, um, you know your views are going to be skewed. You're not going to understand the way a lot of other people think because you live your life differently and kind of in a bubble. So uh, I find that to be the case, and so you know the the opinions that I find out of my comedian friends in LA and New York are very one-sided, I would say. And it's the kind of situation to where you have to lockstep march with them. This is what is disheartening about comedy to me nowadays. Comedy was supposed to be pushing the envelope. Comedy was supposed to make you angry. Lenny Bruce said, I predict one day the only actual news you will get is from stand-up comedians. Now, anytime a stand-up comedian tries to bring you reality and truth that the rest of the world is ignoring, they themselves get banned. Their free speech gets banned. And that's kind of a bummer. Uh, You know, it's kind of a frustrating thing. But I think it plays into the greater idea of narcissism. And to bring it back around to narcissistic women and why people like Chris D'Elia, who I've been able to work with and is a great guy. And, uh, you know, if you know Chris D'Elia and anyone uh, watching, I encourage you to just do a Google image search. This is not a man who's ever had an issue getting a date. So for him to be canceled over false accusations that were literally proven to be false later, yet his career is still suffering and it's literally cost him millions of dollars. That's horrifying. Same thing with Brian Callen, who some could argue was even more famous. Uh, you know, Brian, definitely an A-list on the stand-up circuit and a solid actor, had four different TV shows with multiple season runs, extremely successful podcaster, uh, you know, and he is literally regulated to his, uh, you know, more popular podcast friends, not TV not touring, not, you know, Netflix stand-up circuit, but his just podcast friends are now bringing him along because he was falsely accused, completely denied it. The woman who accused him, poof, gone, disappeared, admitted maybe she wasn't telling the truth, and then done. However, much like that's done, the damage to his career, excuse me, has been done as well. Uh, and and I just I think we need to do something about it. And that's why we're here. Exactly. We have to, we absolutely have to address this. And uh, another example of uh, a figure in entertainment, Johnny Depp, for example, he has uh, been, uh, he's been in a lot of uh, headlines uh, recently. Uh, he dealt with uh, Amber Heard, who has been proven psychologically to be a narcissist and to be a pathological liar. Uh, she had, uh, based on her false accusations, proven false in court. Uh, she cost Johnny Depp his uh, career. Uh, he lost the Pirates of the Caribbean reboot uh, franchise as well as uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, the sequel, uh, as well as $50 million in his divorce. Uh, outside of the entertainment space, there is Brian Banks, who was a star athlete who was uh, on his way to be drafted into the NFL. 
and uh, he was falsely accused of rape and had spent five years in prison. He was exonerated and proven uh, innocent, and he is still uh, recovering from that trauma. Uh, there's a police officer, Steve Milet, uh, who was falsely accused of rape, and uh, the accuser had gone so far as to fabricate evidence by creating fake email conversations and DNA evidence. Uh, but the evidence ended up ruling Milet as innocent. So in my personal experience, my uh, narcissistic ex, I'll call her E, uh, she had fabricated evidence against me. Uh, I had written a Medium article which details uh, uh, my situation, which will be posted down below in the description section. Uh, but uh, she had access to my phone and uh, my emails, and she had gotten... Uh, I'll backtrack a bit. So I was, uh, I met this girl uh, and we were dating for five months and I had uh, fallen for her. Now, apparently in some female dating spaces, uh, there's this, uh, uh, this philosophy that's being pushed. If a man says he loves you, then he's a narcissist by default. And uh, there's a number of these uh, YouTube channels that are. Uh, wait, wait, what, what is the, re what is the logic behind that? What is, what is that? It makes no sense at all. <laughs> Uh, you have some sincerity, man. I mean, I was taking this, I was, as a producer, I was helping this girl out. I met her first and then I said, hey, I'm a producer. I might as well help my girlfriend who's an aspiring actress. So I was paying for literally everything. She didn't pay a goddamn penny for anything. So uh, I was taking her out on expensive dates, uh, was paying for uh, self-tapes for $200 balayage. That's the hair highlights uh, for people that don't know. That's $200 a session. Because I could, you know, I had uh, a good season and this is during COVID. I mean, I met her over a year ago and then I said, Hey, how about we do something sometime? And then we started going out in, uh, in May of this year, uh, during the pandemic. And so a lot of other people were hunkered down. And since I had spent, you know, 12 years in the entertainment industry and I've networked and I've had some connections and resources, I was able to and you guys are going to hate me. I had some uh, uh, loopholes. So we were able to go out to some uh, restaurants and, you know, get some self-tapes for her auditions. And I was helping her out because I, I genuinely loved her. And uh, she, I will give her credit in this regard, but she mentioned that she had, uh, was diagnosed with psychosis. And I was like, uh, are you sure about that? I wasn't sure. Um, and I saw some signs later on, including the thousand yard stare, which some of you guys may recognize in uh, some of the women you've dated. That thousand yard stare, that vacant stare out of the blue. Uh, she told me that she, uh, her, she had an unusual upbringing and that she wanted to have a family. Uh, some of the appeals to me were that she had no tattoos. She didn't smoke cigarettes. She was very feminine. She claimed she was not a feminist. And that she uh, was an aspiring Christian. And those feminine values, those traditional values were very appealing to me. And, uh, you know, I was dating this girl, taking her out. And, you know, I genuinely fell in love with her. And uh, going back to my point with uh, narcissists fabricating evidence, uh, as our relationship progressed, I started to see more red flags, warning signs. I take her out on double dates and we, I took her to the beach and whatnot. And some people, they were warning me, hey, man, uh, you're a good guy. But there are a lot of these red flags that you're not noticing. 
And uh, I said, no, I've noticed everything, but I had the hubris believing that I could change her. Maybe I could rehabilitate her because that's just the, the kind of guy that I am. I guess I'm that, uh, that Messiah hero archetype, which can get a lot of us guys in trouble. And I spoke with some other friends who you know, said that they tried to save other women before too, who were just, uh, they were responsible for their own downfall. It's their own self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, Can I hit you? Yes. Just real fast on that, man. Great point. And that's something I want to caution all men for. I mean, we, good men, Mm. which few and far between nowadays, we are natural fixers, right? Uh, You know, most men that I know either have a old car they're working on, a house project they're working on, a computer project they're working on. Men like to fix things. Mm-hmm. That's what we're supposed to do. Uh, we like to fix things to make life easier for those around us we love and care about. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. However, I encourage everybody to, uh, specifically men who are in love with women, to guard your time, guard your talent, guard your efforts. Because you do not want to end up just, you know, being a servant like that. So, you know, uh, and I, I, it's really easy to fall into that too. If you're like really uh, infatuated with somebody that takes on a victim frame, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like this sounds to me a, a large, largely uh, like somebody taking on a victim frame because, like, you, you know, the best way to learn to lie is to lie to yourself, right? So, like, you know, uh, you, a lot of times you're dealing with people who they, they kind of have to restructure their reality uh, in a certain way. Like, uh, you, you know, what you described for a minute, it kind of reminded me of like the first chick I hooked up with was a Scientologist. And this is a very L.A. thing to say, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I've been there, like, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I was going to ask, was she a Scientologist, bro? Like, cause that, I, that is- No, no, she was. She wasn't. She was a, a born again Christian and she was looking to. uh to get into Christianity. Now, I myself, I was raised Catholic, but uh, I have friends who are Mormons, so I actually introduced her to some Mormons. And uh, I was trying to, uh, since she had said that she grew up in a non-traditional household and she was uh, a born-again Christian, I wanted to feed into that to give her a sense of ethics and whatnot. She had mentioned early on that nobody had taught her uh, to discern good from bad. And so I was trying to be the good boyfriend. You know, I was attentive and I was... uh, took care of her. I later found out that she was a trust fund baby and uh, she didn't, it wasn't necessary, but for myself being a traditional guy, I don't mind falling into that provider frame. Now there's, you have to distinguish something. You can't be a simp. Okay. And that's, <laughs> uh, there's a difference between being a traditional man who's, well, if you go back to evolutionary psychology and evolution, uh, us as men, we are the providers and protectors. That's how we're supposed to be. You know, if you're uh, if you're a believer in the nuclear family, uh, which is proven to be uh, a situation that's conducive towards healthy, emotional, physical and financial development for children, then you want a household where which is stable. And I want it to create stability in the relationship, even though she contributed nothing. And regardless of whatever I I input into the relationship. She just wanted more and more and more. And it was just a vacuous void. No matter how much love I gave her or how much I satisfied her, 
uh, it wasn't enough. I help, I bought her some books and I was trying to help her with her, you know, her, with her mindset. And going back to what you said about the victim frame, she would re retract back into the victim frame. When anybody who knows me, they know I'm a, a motivator and I push people forward in the best of ways. And my positivity wasn't working on her. She was just, uh, she was closing herself off to that. I mean, part of her, at least initially, was like, I'm inspired by you. I want to learn to be like you. You know, you're always pushing forward. And I was trying to instill that with her. And we came up with a project together. And I hired an expensive screenplay writer just for her because she was, uh, she wanted a female Southern based uh, screenplay writer. You know, who was more, who had more context for the story. And I did so. So, and wait, so, so just to get this right, you met a woman who has a dream of being an actress. Yes. As long as she can find a producer who's in love with her, who gets the screenwriter that writes specifically the part that works for her, she'll be huge and famous. Exactly. Was like actively going on at the time, by the way. Right. Oh, yeah. So I was uh, also accused of being Harvey Weinstein Jr., but I'll get into that in a second. Uh, so I uh, also uh, have a background with talent management where I booked my clients on uh, network television commercials, uh, as well as music videos for major artists. Uh, she knew I was a talent manager and, you know, I was I got her some roles and she turned them down, you know, and she was, uh, she had these unrealistic expectations. Oh, well, uh, you know, I'll quote her, Oh, you don't want me to get a, uh, uh, you don't want me to have a, uh, a day player role. You want me to have a, a principal role. Don't you baby? Don't you daddy? And then, uh, that aggravated me. And I had a discussion with her about gratitude since I was trying to instill those values into her. Now, if you go back into her, uh, her background with her being a trust fund baby and having everything provided for her, you know, she's not used to having to work for things. Meanwhile, I'm busting my ass with my company, not to mention I do have a day job. So I'm busting my ass at my day job. And when I'm off, I'm working for my company and I'm making things happen while dating her at the same time, which I mean, I, I would sometimes go days without sleep where and I'm, you know, already pretty busy as it is, where I would go from my day job to my company to going on dates with her three times a week. You know, it, as we continue, as we progress in our relationship, I'll take her out three, four times a week. And, you know, went out, to, you know, to expensive restaurants, to the beach, wherever, or even did some table reads for her, or I paid for studio time and she just was never grateful for any of it. <laughs> uh, that goes to, you know, her upbringing, which, you know, there's that, but there's also this uh, societal uh, trend of unrealistic expectations in women, where there's this YouTube channel called Chloe underscore, which it's advocating for women to hunt for the eight figure man, not a six figure man, not a seven figure man, but a fucking eight yeah, figure this, man. This is a lady pickup. <laughs> this, this is dangerous stuff. Exactly. It creates this unrealistic precedent, which is. Uh, you know, I, there have even been some talks about some female dating coaches who just quit. Yeah. And, uh, and and not not that I'm saying we don't want women to be happy, but mm -hmm. the, like I, I should say, but after that, like that that's like not a strong <laughs> lead into a. But. Hey hey hey! For me, let me qualify. 
I want certain women to be happy. Okay, yeah, that's <laughs> that's good. Uh, but like with the male like self improvement scene, you know, it, it's kind of like checks and balances in government, uh, where like you, you know if if you have like a certain company that that gets a bit too risque, you know, like you know certain individuals from a uh, real social dynamics, uh. You, you, you like everybody just like loses their shit, you, you know. Like you know, everyone will just be like, "Hey, hold," because in, in in the media, it, it's more commonplace to demonize a man's sexuality, but you're never really gonna hear about like the like um, the lady pickup coaches that are explicitly teaching dudes to uh, teaching women to like malip- manipulate dudes, and uh, it, it's like I, I don't know, man, like. From from professional standpoint, uh, like I I, I don't think that y- you know that there's some uh, unchecked things uh, going on in that community, and like I, I don't want to say all of them are bad, but like y- you know uh, I I don't think that you could get away with a male version of like the sugar baby like dating g- gurus who were like you need to g- y- you know and. and we can get more into what what uh, hypergamy in a bit, but uh, yeah, just putting that out there. I mean, as far as uh, male sugar babies, there was a I just watch uh, How to Be a Latin Lover. <laughs> I mean, that's a parody of that situation. <laughs> we have the hey, look, I, I just want to say I find that uh, completely offensive and not good at all, <laughs> and I'm not into that. But if any woman is looking to have a sugar baby uh you know you can find me on facebook instagram and twitter that's right michael c hall right there (laughs) i'm tired of working (laughs) so uh yeah no the um you know i think not to oversimplify man but hurt people hurt people right And you have all these women that are societally taught that their value is strictly and solely placed on their vagina and who they let into it. That's why it's go get you a six figure man, because the higher the value of the man that's inside your vagina, the higher the value you are. Now, we all know with any sort of mental health at all understanding that that is a recipe for disaster in the same way that if you told me that my worth is tied up in who I put my dick in. You know what I mean? And the more rich the woman, you know, the more valuable I am as a man. That's 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 silly. That will lead you to depression, anger, frustration, darker thoughts, uh, you know, and uh, we all have personally seen women like that and that type of attitude ruin men's lives and yeah. sometimes even children's lives. And do damage to the greater society around them. Because the problem is a woman like that is going to run through three or four or five guys and destroy these guys and turn these guys into screw women. And, you know, they've hurt me kind of thing. And then the problem is with these men, if they try to get, uh, you know, better or healthier, the options just aren't there for them like it is for women. And if they say, hey, I've been damaged by a woman. She stole from me. She cheated on me. She lied to me. She attacked my career, my way, my way to provide and be a good man. They say, suck it up. All women are suffering. Thanks for mansplaining. Now shut up and go yeah, away. And, and this this is a call to action for parents, too. Because, like, it, it, you know... Uh, the along with only teaching a, a woman that her values her vagina a lot a lot of it is to like the lack of 
teaching a woman that like she can have like concrete value and a lot it has to do with cobbling like my mom was watching somebody's baby like little girl and then she was like watch her for a second i i have to go do something and then she hit her head and i was like that's what happens you know don't that don't don't like be jumping around on things and my mom immediately came in was like no you you can't you're supposed you know you don't tell that to a little girl what the fuck's wrong with you and i'm like that's you know and, why not uh, too, too much of that too too much of like coddling coddling your uh, princess and, and she she's gonna turn turn into a, a narcissistic werewolf there's also the <laughs> other side of the spectrum as well uh where you have the overly uh the over emphasis on on being a career-minded woman uh, now let's say the uh, as women get older they want to have a family uh it's common knowledge and it's actually uh it's scientific fact that the older woman is the higher likelihood of uh, there being birth defects with a child. Uh, and there are some women, they put their entire worth in their career and they get three or four master's degrees and doctorates. And then, uh, I mean, that's an over evaluation of yourself. Yes, those are some accomplishments. There's nothing wrong with being uh, an academic and being a professional, but putting too much value in that and then saying, Oh, I'm, not going to settle for a, a man who has his own business, who he only has a bachelor's or a guy who's went to trade school where these uh, career women, they think they're better than men. Now there's this, uh, I, there was a meme that I saw on TikTok that it had this guy who had said that men, when they attain wealth and status, they want to provide for their family. And when women attain status, they believe they don't need a man to provide for them. And uh, there's some, we have some commentary on that. I mean, I'm traditional and I like to take care of my, my women that I date, but let, let's discuss hypergamy. So is that going? Okay. So I, I think this largely goes to social expectations. You hmm. know, like if you grow up in, you know, like a, a Christian household or, or like pretty traditional, like nuclear family household. Like as a guy, you're told like part of the value you provide to society is like, hey, you know, you need to start a family. You know, you need to you, you need to have like a, a good job, you know, and, you know, trade school. Uh, that, that's a thing, you know, uh, with a lot of families. And, uh, you, you, you know, we have like generations of, of women not being told that. So you, you kind of end up in a, a situation where there's no like at large social pressure to just, you know, uh, at, at, like for the most part, women, are, you know, I, for years they've been told about biological, like ticking time bombs on Cosmo and, and, and stuff like that. So, you, you know, it, it gets uh, it, it gets intense. You know, uh, it's it's a lot of incongruent messages uh, from society. And uh, so back to hypergamy, because that's what you brought up. Um, you know, stu uh, academic studies have shown that like hypergamy uh, kind of directly cor correlates with uh, socioeconomic inequality. Like uh, and so, you know, I, I think hypergamy is largely a symptom of a problem. And it's something that's kind of just inherent with like how humans are because, like, because it's cross-cultural um, like, you, you know, like uh, Ukraine, I think was a documented example of just like intense hypergamy, you, you know, um, and this study was done in like post-Soviet 
Ukraine uh, and stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the conditions are a bit different there where like hypergamy becomes a means of survival. You know, in, a, in Player Piano, um, uh, Kurt Vonnegut, uh, he said something along the lines of, uh, or, or one of his characters, something along the lines of, a great rat can cross all sorts of social barriers, you know. <laughs> Uh, and so like, not, not that I want to get all Karl Marx on everyone here, but I, I do think that, you, you know, you're going to see a lot of hypergamy. I think like the worse, uh, an economy gets or like the worse the conditions get for its people. Um, you, you know, but, uh, it, it is that, but it's definitely a thing, you know, like it, you, you, it's it's kind of like living in a bad neighborhood where like it's a new thing you got to watch out for you know and uh we don't we don't need to necessarily like you know we're, we're not gonna say that like all oh, these people are evil but uh you, you know you, you you could you could get mugged oh right. that, that came uh, out wrong but, uh, right but going, going back to to damage i mean there's a societal right. push for uh uh for sexual liberation now men and women are we are physiologically different. Now, for women, there's actually been proven studies that have uh, proven that women are only able to pair bond uh, with partners within three to seven uh, partners, sexual partners. That's where they're able to retain a relationship. And uh, this correlates to their relationship with children, not to mention it can actually create a lot of damage. Now, let's say, for example, there's a woman that was that was raised in a nuclear family, but let's say she was uh, sexually liberated, liberated in college, and she has, what, 50 sexual partners. That creates some actual uh, physiological damage to her. So she's in it, unable to pair bond with somebody, and she'll be flighty. Now, in my experiences, I've dated some older women, and I tried to have some relationships with them, and I noticed that they were flighty, and they cheated on me. Now, hypergamy does have a lot to do with that, but also their inability to pair bond. That will affect them later in life. So for women who want to have, be traditional and to raise a family, I mean, that's a consideration. Uh, but in today's modern hookup culture, it's, you know, uh, women are given the power with dating apps to select partners. And uh, if they don't have a positive present archetypal male figure during their developmental years, then they can't discern a quality partner or not. Oh man, I I think it's more powerful than that because you got to look at the, how apps are designed. Like every year on Tinder, uh, if you look at, at how it's designed, the pictures become bigger and like the bio becomes a smaller part. Where it's like, no, we don't want you to read things. We just want you to like you know flip through things and get a, a visceral response. And like you know, not now you you don't actually see the bio by default. Like you you have to uh, tap into it and, and or and you there's like you accidentally super like people because it's like a weird anyways. Uh, and so like what what a woman is holding when she's on Tinder is uh to quote like matt mccusker it's uh, a bunch of like doorways uh to different realities you know kind of kind of again if you want to get william blake about it like it's uh like every time a woman like is on tinder and like if you're from la one of the top things you're gonna see on like women's uh profile pictures is uh boat pictures like they love like before they girls used to just be like I'm artsy. I have culture. I'm going to take a picture in front of that fountain at LACMA, like the, the Museum of Contemporary Art. But now it's all boat pictures, you know, and, uh, you, you know, a, a lot of it is just, you, you know, what what message does that send? I am 
uh, a boat worthy babe, you, you know, like uh, take me on your boat. That, that could have been the only time they've ever been on a boat, but they're going to take a picture, you know, uh, for Tinder because like to, to lies women, it ups their uh, reproductive value, I guess. I, I, I don't know, but like, you, you know, there, there's a lot of these boat pictures and on the male side, like, the, the competition is probably fierce too, because this is where like people come out to be actors. So they got like action shots and headshots taken by photographers and, and stuff like that. So like y- you know, w- with these dating apps, um, y- you know, if if you look at the statistics, women like swipe left like heart like I've heard like nine or thirteen percent of the time. You, you know, well di- guys will typically sw- I mean swipe right nine. Or 15, that's a good one, but guys will typically swipe right like 41 percent of the time you know so uh you know in order to keep people engaged you got you got to keep like throwing attractive prospects at them and uh now now you're just going by like pictures like nobody ever has to read anything so just like any app just like wish or facebook trying to keep you scrolling on their wall it's going to keep sending you attractive people and like for women it you know, if guys are sex, uh, if women are uh, sex objects, guys are like success objects. So, you know, going back to the uh, William Blake doors of reality thing, every time they swipe onto a new picture, they're looking at like a new potential reality where it's like, I can now live at this guy's standards, you know, where, it, it, you know, the, the fancy car, all, all that stuff. Um, th- there's been studies out of Turkey. And I, I, I maybe want to get in, into uh, the state of uh, Tinder studies of, and like what country they come from. But, uh, th- you know, there's some studies out of Turkey um, where they looked at the sociosexuality of women on Tinder. And uh, so sociosexuality just basically means like a proclivity to just have sex outside of a relationship, you know. And um, one of the things they found was that uh sort of i don't i guess it's like a selection bias with twitter but you're more likely going to find women who value uh charm over honesty y- you know and uh these were like mechanical turk findings it's like a, a survey but y- you know that that's very interesting that like and i i, I don't know i i think uh, it kind of goes along with the territory of like boat pictures you know it's like yeah and on at the same time like you know all these dudes are running a scheme too you know, there's tons of dudes who just like, you, you know, if you're if you guys have been exposed to the life coach industry, you probably know more than like one guy that's rented a Maserati, you know, to to take a video, uh, you, you know, to sell both men and women on a, having a standard of living. But, uh, you know, well, guys usually have to fall into some self-help trap or, or like a pyramid scheme to like really get like suckered into that. Like women kind of just face that every day, just being on Tinder. So, you, you know, it's the technocrats doing it too, man. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, what do women face that men don't face being on Tinder? Um, success objects. Like, guys don't go through Tinder going like, if I hook up with this woman, like, she, I'm going to be her sugar baby. That's not really, like, yeah, in fair. a frame fair. of reality for, like, most dudes, you, you know. Uh, like, that, that's not really a delusion that's sold to <laughs> us. We're mostly sold on, like, uh, sexual appeal, at, at least on Tinder, you know. Absolutely. I know. I, I completely agree. I just wanted that to be brutally oh, yeah, clear. Yeah. Um, to speak to that, I want to give a little bit of my experience in dealing with a, a narcissistic woman. This is how dumb I was, right? 
Uh, and what I want to do in telling this story is display a litany of red flags. So if other gentlemen get stuck in this pattern or see these things, they can act upon them and not cause further damage to themselves and others. And they can get the heck out of there. Okay. So meet this woman on Facebook dating app, not Tinder, but Facebook dating app. We hit it off. We talked for like an hour on the phone. The first night we talk on the phone, a couple days after we match and had a little conversation back and forth. Great conversation. Love it. Right. Uh, and I want to say it's a Tuesday night. So, uh, we plan on going out Friday. Cool. I'm like, tell you what, she lives about 45 minutes south of Oklahoma City downtown proper, where a lot of the action is. I live about 25, 30 minutes north of her. So I live about another 20 minutes from the city. So, but further north. So I tell her, come up to my house, just meet me at my house and we can go from there if you're comfortable with that. If not, I can just meet you at the the venue. We're going to see some live music. A friend of mine is playing, that kind of thing. Um, she's like, yeah, no, I can meet you at your home. I was like, great. She meets me. We go out. My friends are playing. We have a great night. She kisses me first at the bar. This is our first date. Never seen her before in my life. And while we're sitting there at the bar, because it's kind of one of those, you sit at the bar and watch the stage, smaller venues, Uh I look at her and she out of nowhere just kisses me. So, you know, I'm like, cool, she's feeling me. And, you know, as we walk back to the car, we have a little makeout sesh, end up hooking up that night, right? So first night I meet her, we hook up. Uh, then um, she's like, you know, this weekend I'm going to be out of town hanging out with my family, uh, but I will be in touch with you. I'm like, cool. So uh, don't talk to her really much over the weekend, you know, say have a safe trip Saturday. Hit her up Monday, don't hear much from her. Hit her up Wednesday, don't hear much from her. Uh, then Thursday, we start talking. This is about a week after we went on our first date. We start legit talking, and she starts legit talking to me. And then I get a instant message from a guy who says, this is Chase. I've been dating Amy the past three months. I spent the last four nights at her home. I'm just letting you know she's shady, bro. And I'm like, what? So I screenshot that. Now, this is a guy I've never met, comes through on my messenger. Screenshot that, send it to her. I'm like, what the hell is this? She says, he has a bad drug problem. Don't believe him. I'm a healer. And and I'm trying <laughs> to for this. Anyway, I'm a healer. And I was hell trying to help him. We were not together when that happened. Okay. Cool. I like this girl, clearly. Allow that explanation to stand. Pretend like that's not a red flag and just continue on with her. Start dating her. Right. Uh, then she was married for, you know, a decade or so. Another red flag. I asked her, well, you know, what happened in your marriage? You know, what, what? And it was all his fault. This is a red flag, gentlemen. Hear me now. If a woman has been in a long term relationship with another man that ends. And she has no accountability or culpability whatsoever for that relationship. And it was 100% her fault or his fault, excuse me. And she was just the long-suffering, committed, loving woman to a man who did not provide for her, not take care of her, was abusive and hateful to her. That is a trap and a setup and a blatant lie. 
And as my man Zach said earlier, the easiest way to be a good liar is to lie to yourself. Uh, uh, but all right, but not that we're saying that we expect like most thirty-year-old women who are divorced divorcees to be like, yeah, it was my fault. <laughs> like that's probably you, uh, that's kind of un- but no, 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 I, no, I, I expect did- any I expect any mentally healthy woman out of a failed relationship, just like any healthy man out of a failed relationship to go. Yeah, they may have lied and cheated, but there were patterns. There yeah. were insecurities uh, that, in me. There that, were things I, was... I needed from that type of unhealthy relationship due to my unhealth. Yeah. That's... So uh that that's what that's what I was, I was gonna get into. Like the most you should pro- or what you should probably realistically expect, I think, is yeah, just to, uh, at least I don't I don't want to say this woman should should have been like it's what I was wearing, but she should be like, I, I should have seen the warning signs and left. You know, right. or, or like that. I didn't I communicate like a, the way I should have, or you know, wh- whatever yeah. the case may be. I don't care what it is, but to say you were completely blameless in your failed relationship is BS. It always takes two. Yeah, it but, always but, it takes two to get into a relationship, and it takes two to end a relationship. But, but if you do find a thirty-plus-year-old woman from a divorce who's like, "It was my fault," like that's that's like a gold star, like inner beauty. Where I like agree. yeah, that, that, she, she spent a lot of time uh, in introspection. Now my yeah. my ex as well, my narcissistic ex, she also was not accountable. I asked her. Uh, we we got into a conversation about previous uh, relationships and exes, and uh, I actually got into a an altercation with my uh, uh, well a verbal discussion with my ex uh, from before my narcissistic ex. And she was very flighty. You know, she's 30 plus and she uh, was also previously divorced in her mid 30s. And uh, she was not accountable for her failed relationship with her with her ex-husband. But in the case of my recent ex, my ex-narcissist, she had mentioned that her exes were all bad people. But then she divulged the fact that she had set up other exes before. And uh, she had mentioned that uh, when I asked her about, you know, partners, I said I only had, uh, I've been with, you know, under 17 partners in my in my life. And she said she's dated 50 men and 50 women. You know, so that goes back to uh, the sexual liberation uh, discussion where women after a certain period, uh, after they've had certain sex partners, they can't pair bond anymore, but also has a lot of psychological issues as well that damages them too. Uh, but she would always, uh, she would feign responsibility with everything. And, uh, she maintained that victim frame and she said, oh, she had dated some bad men before and she doesn't trust people, but she herself is a setup artist. And, uh, going back into my situation where, uh, I, we had some discussions about gratitude and how I was upset. And so I was, uh, Leaving because I I told her that all of, all of the uh, red flags are showing, and that my my every instinct is telling me to leave, but I still care about her and I want to to help her. You know, I wanted to take care of her. I fell into that belief, you know, that uh, that provider protector mentality, and so she's. Uh, I walked away, and she said, "Oh, I miss you," and uh, she was apologetic for the first time and said, well, I'm sorry. Uh, I thought I was, you were never going to talk to me again. I said, I care about you. I'm not going to abandon you because that's the kind of man I am. You know, when I'm in a committed, because I was in a committed monogamous relationship with her, 
and I never cheated on her. She accused me of cheating, but I found out that she was the one that had cheated on me. <laughs> and uh, she asked to see my phone. She said, oh, I've, if you're all about you know, maintaining trust in a relationship, show me your phone. Otherwise, I'll never talk to you again. So we were at dinner and I showed her my phone. She took my phone and uh, she uh, deleted our text history as well as took some sensitive photos uh, out of context. And I guess I did have a nude picture that I never sent to her, but she sent from my phone to her, uh, to herself. And uh, she had uh, stolen some contact information from some, some of my professional colleagues. And then while sending some misconstrued and out of context text messages and my nudes, uh, she sent it to a number of third parties and she accused me of being Harvey Weinstein Jr. Despite everything I had done. And I was talking to her trying to, uh, to fix the relationship. I, but the reality is I wasn't the one that caused an issue. Uh, she just had her, her psychosis. And with her being a setup artist, and I was a victim since I learned that she had other, uh, other marks before me, and that's and she would extract resources from people like a parasite, and then she would move on to a different city. And since her family pays her rent, she can move to wherever she wanted. She lived in Georgia, uh, she lived in Florida, she lived in L.A. for several years, moving around after she had uh, finished with her victims. She. had contacted one of my professional colleagues, which I'm involved in a project with currently. And, uh, you know, obviously this is frustrating because that was his personal line, which nobody except trusted friends and uh, family have, you know, so this was, this jeopardized my relationship with him, not to mention in my day job where my boss found out, but luckily my boss and I, we have some rapport and he had context in the relationship and he had met her, he'd seen her and saw how destructive she was. She'd caused some, uh, some scenes with dozens of witnesses, not to mention, you know, some of my professional colleagues that I had double dated, uh, that I'd taken her on double dates with. And, uh, I'd done studio time with, uh, her, uh, they saw some patterns that they, there's something off in her, man. You gotta be careful. So all the red flags were there. What what were some of the red flags you thought your you think your friends saw? Like, well, did, she, did she try to like big dog you like subtly? Just just be like, oh, you don't want to do like like you know that like well, threaten you and stuff. One thing is, on our second date, I took up my wallet to pay for dinner, and a condom fell out, and she got offended by that. Said, "Oh, you're uh, you're trying to use me just for my body, just to have sex with me." We didn't even get sexual until two months into the relationship, you know, and everything was consensual. And she asked me to buy her sex toys, but that's that's besides the point. But uh, she was uh, she was uh, guilting me and uh, leading me into this uh, this trap where she had she was sexually guilting me for being attracted to her, you know, for having a condom. And I told her, I'm just prepared for anything, you know, and, you know, I said, well, it's okay. We can wait. And so we did wait, you know, two months till we, until we got sexual. Uh, but she would continue. She would, she was insistent on me getting her things. She's like, Oh, if you don't get this, I'm going to get upset. 
you know, of course, that could be attributed to being a spoiled trust fund baby who was used to everything being provided to her, which I, I fed into that, unfortunately. That was bad behavior that I was feeding into, uh, which we should never reward bad behavior. Uh, but uh, she... I think we should point out for the viewers that this is like the first big red flag. If you get like a threat every day, you know, uh, like or every time you're together, like there's some sort of like inherent threat to like coerce you into action like that. That's abuse 101. I, I, I mean, they're, they're probably they're, there's probably some lady podcast. Where they're saying that, too. They're looking at the same abuse circle and they're like, if there's a threat every day, you know, like you need to you need to leave. <laughs> you know, that's a well, yeah, please, man. Please, she please continue. Yeah, she uh, she kept belittling me despite everything I was doing. Nothing was enough. And I told her, you know, I pulled her uh, to the side at one point and said, hey, I'm working my day job and my company and I'm still providing for you and you're still not satisfied. And you have the audacity to belittle me despite everything, you know, and she said she's used to certain things like couples massages, et cetera. And I said, okay, well, what happens? Where are your exes who've done this before you before? Where are they all? There's a reason why her 50 plus men and 50 plus, uh, uh, female exes, they aren't there. She was always, uh, adamant about her happiness and not my happiness in the relationship. Uh, so I, wanted to you know please her to get you know i don't i don't like this couple's massage thing that that's like i would be like kind of offended if a girl and sister going on a couple's massage date you know and then like it's just like dudes it's like a dude who's a masseuse and she just like walks in and then you're you spent the money and it's like yeah it's their business you know that that that's kind of like dating a stripper and getting thrown out by the bouncers because you're like mad dogging her clients or whatever like that that dude i don't like that that that's just like an implied cucking you know if it's like a male masseuse okay to bring it back to massages uh what i wanted to say because i didn't quite get to finish is that uh you know with this woman i massaged her all the time she was like you have the best hands ever and the very last night we were together uh, well, the second to last night we were together was a Thursday evening. The Wednesday before I'd literally bought her groceries. She wanted a salad made by me because I went to the Culinary Arts Institute. So I did a wedge salad for her, grilled the chicken, did all of that, cooked, or excuse me, did all the dishes. Then gave her an hour long massage. Then I left, not having any idea she'd be talking to another man. And Friday night, she says, um, She's tired. I'm tired. We've seen each other the last six nights in a row. I need to do some stuff around my house. Supposedly she did too. I had no idea. It meant she was going out with someone else. Then Saturday, I take her shopping, buy her dinner. We spend all day together doing that. She throws me out of her house at like 11 p.m. And I had no ideas because she had another guy coming over. Uh, And she was real adamant. And like, I was like, you've never behaved like this. Texted her. You okay? She was rude. Call her Sunday morning. And she now remember been to her family weddings. We're planning the future together. I have crops growing or, you know, plants growing, you know, on uh, her land. I had just spent the last two weeks clearing her land. I went through four chainsaw blades, cutting trees for her house, taught her dogs to fetch all of this stuff. So she completely cucked me. Now, what I didn't get to is I caught her about three months before on Facebook dating. Now we're three months into a relationship and she's wide open on the Facebook dating app. Now, if you go to her regular profile, it says in a relationship with Michael Hall. 
And I won't use her real name. We'll call her Shamie. Mm-hmm. So Shamie, uh, <laughs> uh, who likes to do a lot of drugs. What's funny is she, you know, taught me how to, or she, she, she told me about how she, you know, has to take a drug test for her job and how she uses fake pee and all of that stuff. So, you know, high quality. But Shamie, who actually, you know, grows weed on her property, uh, you know, can't do drugs because of her job. So, uh, yeah, she um, call. I call her at 11 or call her about 11 a.m. the next day. It's about a 12 hour difference. And I go, hey, last night you seemed really upset. Things didn't seem right. What's up? And she's like, it's over. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's over. She's like, it's over. Come get your stuff. It's over. So I go to get my thing. She's like, they're on the porch. I'm like, I was just cooking in your home and laying in your bed yesterday. You know what I mean? Like, what's going on? Then her phone is blowing up with all these texts. I'm like, what the hell is that? Who's Joey? Some guy named Joey. And she's like, hey, I need you to come over and help me today. And then she's like, oh, yeah, I've been dating. And I'm like, wait, I caught you on Facebook dating and you were using pictures that I took of you on our dates. And one of them was at my best friend's birthday party in his home that you didn't know him. And there was a picture of you at my best friend's birthday party up on Facebook dating while you're trying to get other men. And then my mind jogged back to, I asked her, I said, what was the linchpin or the crux of you ending your last relationship? Now, remember, I met her on Facebook dating. We hooked up the first night we were together. And this is what she tells me. Well, he was over at my house one night and he saw one of your text messages come through on my iPad. He got really mad, said some (laughs) awful things, and I knew then it was over. (laughs) And I didn't backtrack at that point, but now I realize what she did to me, she did to him, right? Because I found her wide open and I don't think she's in a relationship. I'm assuming she's single or she wouldn't be on a dating app. And of course he was going to get mad and say some mean things if he's in a relationship with a woman spending nights with her and she's fully hooking up with me and going out with dude, me. This, this sounds like the scarier dude. Like this sounds like he was like an amphetamine connect. And she was like, he's going to shoot. Like It's like, uh, it's like selling weed to someone. And then they also owe money to a meth dealer. And oh, and, and like, finding out. Yeah. No, no. Finding out later that she had a little bit of a meth issue. Oh, dude, yeah, growing up and kind like, of enjoyed the jam and, oh, and started. Dude. This yeah. sounds like, dude, th- this is like a tweaker version of like the crucible, dude. Like, right. Like, but, like, but, but remind, but mind you, when I met her, she has a beautiful $300,000 home on two acres. She's an environmental scientist. She's held down her job for 13 years, makes good money. So, you know, I'm thinking I've got a good one here. I've got one that's pretty put together, you know, uh, no children, didn't want any, can't have any. Uh, which, you know, speaks a lot to her inverse selfishness and greater narcissistic tendencies. Mm-hmm. However, you know, the part that hurt the most in all of it is I did everything I could for this woman, broke my back for her. I would get off work. I would run home. I would change clothes. I would drive half an hour to her house. I gave up on all my projects, all my entertainment stuff. I would drive 30 minutes to her house. I would work around her house, you know, whether it be her land her home. I would cook for her. I would clean for her or I would take her out on dates. We'd go see live music, dinner, desserts, take care of all of it, you know, buy her presents, your little gifts pretty much every day. Um, And then at the end, she tells me she's been dating someone else and then basically blocks me, refuses to see me and won't even return my items to me. After I did everything I could for her. And her whole excuse is you overstepped bounds by looking at my phone. 
the you day I threw your you land, out. dude. You planted crops. This this is this is like some scandalous behavior from the pilgrim days, dog. Like this is like, <laughs> like crops so much as it was planters, and we planted carrots and you know tomatoes okay. and peas. She was a serious gardener. She is a serious gardener, and I helped her. I gave my life to her. I lost myself in her, and that's what I want to caution men about. And I am also guilty of that as well. I lost myself in my narcissistic ex, uh, where I, similar to Michael, I would break my back for my ex and I provided for her. I gave her access to my network where I brought her to business meetings and I was introducing her and uh, she was ungrateful for everything. Not to mention that she had, uh, I found out that uh, I, she asked me to help her with some auditions. So uh, she said, help me out. Uh, I need a ride out to uh, the Valley. Uh, for the audition or the self tapes and I would pay for her Uber. And then she ended up going to a mansion. I'm like, what the hell? Where's this place? And then she said, Oh, I need to go to the actual audition. So I asked her, where, where did you, where did I, where did I send you? And she wouldn't answer. And then I found out that she was uh, talking to other guys and she had cheated on me. And uh, she was on uh, a website called seeking arrangements. (laughs) And, uh, Despite every, I, I was monogamous with her and I cared. I wasn't talking to any other women. Uh, and then I asked her to be honest with me. And she said, oh, uh, that's just uh, Justin or some other people, uh, other guys that she was talking to. And uh, I had lent her some uh, camera equipment of mine for her to use. And uh, she, uh, well, we had a discussion about me getting my equipment back, picking it up from her place. So I went to her place which she never allowed me in. She's been to my place dozens of times and uh, I had never been allowed inside. I just dropped her off and picked her up. And uh, she had alleged that another guy was in there taking a shower, which I mean, I would piss anybody off because I was her apparent boyfriend, you know? And so I banged on the door and I was asking to talk to her and she said that, uh, oh, the guy was scared of me. Oh, maybe I had a gun alleging that I have a gun that I'm going to be violent. No, I'm a rational guy and I wanted to have a discussion with my supposed girlfriend. She was probably like threatening him, right? Like she was probably getting some shit out of here. It's like, yeah, my <laughs> my boyfriend of color's coming with his gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fool. <laughs> That's funny because I, I'm in Oklahoma and most everybody, I carry a pistol with me everywhere I go. I'm always Open carry is cool, man. Open carry is cool. You know, I am mm-hmm. down for the Second Amendment. I'm actually a fan of guns. By the way, but in California, there's a lot of strict laws where, let's say you uh, register to purchase a gun, it takes ten days for you to uh, to be able to pick up your gun. Get out! Yes, oh, yeah. I'm you, can't, you can't even buy ammo. You have to like have the ammo shipped to like a gun dealer, and then they do a background check to give you your ammo. Goodness! And the clips are restricted to just 10, 10 clips in a magazine. It's ridiculous. Yeah, unless you got them during Freedom Week. For the viewers at home, right? <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, getting back to the point, speaking of guns, in a way, um, right now there is a pandemic level issue of male suicide yes. that no one is talking about. In addition to that, there is a pandemic level of male health issues, and I'm talking mental health issues and heart attacks and things of that nature, all stress induced and stress caused. Now, a lot of that happens because these guys get with the wrong women. And I understand. I've seen it ruin guys' lives. I'm sure you have, too. 
But society puts so much pressure on us. And then we get with a woman who expects us to be the perfect men. We've got to be a lumberjack and an accountant and a computer whiz and an MMA fighter and a fisher and a hunter and a, you know what I mean? And a, and a, a Latin lover and a, a poet. And, you know, and we've got to anticipate and know what their needs are all the time. And if we don't, we are not caring enough, which gives them license to go cheat on us or steal from us because they're not getting enough out of the relationship. Let me tell you how inverted certain women are. Shamey is so inverted that the only apology she has ever given me is, sorry, I went on a date, but I was unhappy and you weren't giving me what I needed. That was it. Not I shouldn't have cheated, not When you found me on Facebook dating and you were pissed and ready to leave, I looked you in the eye and swore to you I would never do it again. I promised you because I said to her, look, I'll forgive you and we can stay together because maybe you were just she was like, I had no idea what I was doing and I'm not talking to any other men at all. And, uh, you know, I believed her like an idiot. But I told her I was like, look, do me a favor. If you ever feel like at the point in this relationship, you need to see other men to be happy. Give me the chance to walk away because all it proves is that I am not your guy and I can't make you happy solely. And I'm only interested in a monogamous relationship with you. So at the point you have to go on Facebook dating or talk to other guys, I need you to let me know and give me the chance to walk away. Is that fair? Respect the effort. Even if you hate me, respect the effort we both put into this relationship and the time we both put into this relationship. Of course, I promise, I swear, I promise no matter what. And then come to find out when she dumps me, she's been seeing other men the whole time. So, uh, you know, and, and then when I'm like, can you at least apologize for doing that? As you were screaming through your door, I have to get off your property that I don't have to get tested. Anytime you have to end a relationship by telling the other person, no, they don't have to get tested. No, you don't have to get tested. Even though I've been seeing other people, including people you know behind your back, you're the whore. Man or woman, you're the wrong one. You're the whore. So it's important to know that. And for men, it's important to know, take mixed signals as a no. You are so much more valuable than the worth that that narcissistic woman puts on you. And I want you to be aware of the pattern. The pattern is always a three-step pattern with these women. And a lot of times they don't even realize they're stuck in it. It goes idolize, devalue, dump. Okay, and this is where we get sucked in as good men who want to love and provide for women and fulfill the, the natural masculine role that men want to uh, fulfill for women. They make us feel like we are that guy to a T. They're like, oh, I love you so much. My last boyfriend was a drug addict or he beat me or he was abusive or he cheated and, or he was terrible and he wasn't as good as you. And I've never felt so good in my life. And then you get addicted to that. That dopamine release from a person that you love and find happiness in telling you how great and wonderful you are and how you provide for them and take care of all of their needs. And it gets you in a heightened state of wanting to provide those needs and wanting to be all of that because they pump you up. Now, once they've done that, then they hit the unrealistic expectations because now they're going to have to be vulnerable and start working on an actual relationship and realize where they could be better and how they could be more committed and better for you. They're not going to do that. They're not interested in that. They want cheerleaders. They want uh, supporters. 
They want people cheering them on, but they cannot and will refuse to deal with any things they need to work on their narcissists. Dude, right? It sounds like you dated Facebook on Facebook dating. Like, I, like I, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I, I, it kind of sounds like that's what you get for going on the dating platform where people put QAnon shit. <laughs> you end up with like a tweaker who made you toil her land. Like she a former tweaker who she didn't make me toy. That was my, you know, I wanted to do it. So I thought it was going to be our land. Right. So, oh, damn. That sounds romantic too when you put it like that. Like, I thought this was going to be our land. Yeah. We were, we were building, we were building together. Damn. That was, that was what hurt the most is to lose that. Um, and I feel you know, the same dog, way. Well. She literally were like, my dogs love you more than me. I can't, you know, you taught my dog to fetch. She never listens to anyone, you know, all of that. So her neighbors loved me. When she did what she did, her own neighbor was like, man, you deserve better than that, bro. So, yeah, uh, it's that kind of situation. So, uh, anyway, first they idolize you and they pump you up and make you feel like you are a superhero of a man. And then they start to chip away at you. You know, you are so great, but if you could just do this, or I really need this and you're not providing this, or if you could just help me this way. And you're not quite good enough. And yeah, but I'm a little tired and, you know, I want you to do this or you're helping me so much, but you're not doing the right things. I need you to figure out what those are so we can be happy. So then you get in the performance trap because now they reward you with love and acceptance only when you perform, because to them, you've already been devalued. You are already worthless. They're already looking for somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. They've begun that process by justifying this man is worthless and I'm going to do everything in my power to show he's worthless by using him and making him perform while I'm taking all of his energy and resources, extracting those from him to find my next victim. Yeah, right. Like a cult. Exactly. So that's what they do to you. Right. So then they begin to devalue and you don't feel like you're enough and you feel kind of depressed and you're like, but I love this woman and we're trying and you know, it's going to work out. I just need to try harder. Maybe we can get some counseling or maybe we can, you know, look at some YouTube videos about relationships and just communicate and be open with each other. And you're believing all this and you're busting your ass for her. And then she dumps you, but she doesn't, you know, go, Hey, let's meet at Starbucks. We got to talk. No, no, no. She does the thing where you call her after spending the whole day with her, buying her things, taking her out to dinner, making out with her, doing all that. Then she, the next morning, it's like, are you okay? You seemed weird at the end of the night. It's, yeah, we're over. We're done. Mm. What? Yeah, get your shit off my property. But I'm not the one cheating. I didn't do anything wrong. What are you talking about? Can we talk about this? I love you. I want to talk. No. She literally said to me, and boy, was she actually accurate on this. She said, have some self-respect. This chick don't want you anymore. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that some, burned. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that, that that does burn. Yeah, man. And that's the exact uh, same uh, progression my relationship went. Uh, well, I I had taken my ex on out on her twenty fifth birthday, and I got her a nice Bed Bath and Beyond uh, uh, gift basket, and I took her out to an expensive dinner in Beverly Hills. And she had told me that uh, uh, she received a call from somebody else, and she didn't answer. I asked who that was, and she said, "Oh, that's uh, somebody else. Uh, she someone else had taken her out for." Uh, her birthday before I took, I taken her out literally the same fucking day. It's ridiculous. You know, and I, I, I there was this, I guess there was this competitive spark in me where I thought I could win her over. Yes. It's, it's, you know, pre-selection it's, in, we're in Los Angeles and she's in proximity to a lot of people who have, uh, resources. And so I was, you know, tricking myself into believing that this was competition. Well, I mean, yes, pre-selection is competition, 
However, she's also a narcissist who used me. And uh, towards the end of our relationship, uh, she had set me up. She had uh, sent some public emails with false accusations, accusing me of being a pedophile and of talking to multiple women and uh, promising them roles in a uh, in a couple of projects I'm developing. She was the only woman I was romantically involved with for the past five months, six months now. It's been, you know, uh, about two and a half months since we've broken up. So there's that falsehood there. She was also proven when she contacted one of my friends uh, who is a world-class behavior expert. She contacted him after sending the false uh, defamation emails and accusations. And he, as he's the expert, he could tell through a brief, uh, you know, a brief conversation with her over the phone that, you know, she was a narcissist and, you know, he could tell that she was toxic and she was entitled and, uh, he noticed the traits. He actually has a course on narcissism on his website, which I didn't know he had until after all this transpired. Then I looked in the website. Oh, shit. <laughs> I should have looked in the website and should have bought that course. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, she edified, she edified me. Uh, and then she started to deconstruct me. And then she dumped me. After well, she- and they dump you. That's the thing. They don't dump you cool. They dump you in a way to get a reaction out of you that makes them the victim. Where right. she dumped me dirty and falsely accusing me of all of these things, which I I went to my attorney who issued her a cease and desist, which check this out. She returned the cease and desist to sender. And she's three months delinquent now. I'm returning my property to me, not to mention preserving evidence, which it's mandated in the cease and desist letter that she retain. She preserved the evidence and she returned my property to me, which I had lent to her. But she was holding it hostage and said, the only way you're going to get it back is if you call the cops, which that's an obvious setup right there. She because the cops, you know, because it's a gynocentric court, um, system, they, she could say, oh, she could cry wolf and say, oh, he raped me. And then I would get arrested on the spot. Yeah, dude, you're not. Exactly. You, could, you could beat the case. You can't beat the ride, dude. She she could like, dude, this is these are the end times, dude. She might be able to like Emmett Till you in L.A., you know, like you don't you don't want that, dude, like this. Man. Let me let me guys let, let me give all men out there a real solid piece of advice. And this is why I have the screenshots of her Facebook dating app at the time she was with me and all of this. Because once again, she won't even admit it or talk about it to anyone, specifically me. And she did it to the guy before me, too. She's going to do it to the guy she's seeing now that she met when she was with me. Uh, it does here. Listen to this. It does not matter what you know. It only matters what you can prove. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a relationship with someone and the trust starts to go south and you start to smell a rat, it does not matter what you know, especially in this day and society tailored to you know benefit women and hurt men. It does not matter what you know. It only matters what you can prove. Protect yourself. Because these women do not care. She literally wanted my ass kicked. She's like, I want your ass kicked and I'm going to call somebody to beat you up. Which I was like, uh, bring it. I was hoping you'd bring a guy around. I, you know what I mean? I, I got my fist and I got my pistol. Well, let's see what happens. Uh, <laughs> cooler heads prevailed, thankfully. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you know, I, I, was, I was ready. So once again, it does not matter what you know. It matters what you can prove. Because who knows what these women are going to do. And then when you put it out there, like I have, 
there'll be people going, well, if this is true, well, if what you say is true, automatically assuming you're lying or not telling the truth. So make sure that every accusation or everything you say that they did wrong, you can back up with solid uh, facts. Dude, and, and, and the prove. cops showing up, that's just like a dude with a gun. And like there's there's two ways that cops typically respond to these things. One, they're like, inc- like you know, we're socially inclined to believe women when they say they're the victim or if like they, they you know, if, if they have. So where it's like, oh, man, I, I'm just abused. Like, or they're just like, I don't want to touch this. This is a domestic violence because like that's the number one way for cops to get shot is interfering in some domestic violence thing. You, you know, where like some abusive dude, like he, he, like he stops an abusive dude and then like the woman stabs him, you, you know, like that's uh you know so it, it it's no good dude like that's yeah that that's that's a scary situation for for dudes and, and a lot of guys who deal with narcissistic exes they don't always go um, get out clean so i'm still dealing with this ongoing defamation situation and i've taken legal action uh but she has threatened me with a 602 penal code which is uh breaking and entering so as I mentioned before, when I went over to her place where she had alleged there was a guy taking a shower at her place, I knocked on the door and then she claimed that she had video footage of me tr- attempting to break and enter, which is not the case. You know, I knocked on her door and I went to talk to her. Can and she prove she, it? She claims that she has some footage from a neighbor, which, you know, I doubt that's real. You know, but uh, I have all the evidence in my favor where she has tampered with my phone. She has deleted the text messages. I have all the screenshots and text messages from our convert from most of our conversations. She had deleted some of them, but I have some backups. Uh, Narcissist will also be in denial where uh, she questioned my. uh, She going back to the cheating, she questioned my loyalty. And when she looked through my phone and said that I was not talking to anybody else and I was truthfully monogamous with her during our relationship, uh, she was telling of herself that she was the cheater. Uh, she, narcissists will also hide when they're, when they're discovered. So uh, she deleted her social media page and uh, I still have her picture up on my social media profile. To Why? Prove that we weren't, to prove we were in a relationship so she can't say I was... Uh, I forced myself on her or whatever, whatever her allegations are. Uh, but she deleted her social media. And despite her downplaying me, I'm the one that uh, paid for everything for her headshots and her Ubers everywhere to herself, to our auditions and to her other guys that she was uh, dating, which I found out later. Uh, so that's an ice cold move. That's like an ice cold, like actress femme fatale move, like pay for me to go to an audition. And then it's a date with another dude. Damn dude. That's like a, that's some LA noir. Like, ah, that's evil. Those are traits of a narcissist, which, uh, Michael and I both, we, we face those, uh, we faced that kind of behavior in our relationships. It's all about, looking for the warning signs. Now, it's actually all about working on yourself and seeing through them. It's so funny. There are women I used to be attracted to on social media that I've, you know, had as friends for years or, you know, a couple of years on my Facebook, Instagram, Twitters. And I'm attracted to them, but, you know, never really did anything. I know they're in my town. You know, we say, hey, we like each other's stuff and we're flirty. Uh, Everybody has that. But, you know, um, you just never hook up with them. And then you're single. You're like, Hey, are they single currently? 
And I am so not attracted to these women anymore because I see right through them. I see what they're doing. I see that they're using men. Look, if she dyes her hair blonde, posts a lot of pictures of her ass and complains about how she's hungry or tired or how life is so hard. And she has a hundred dudes liking all of that. Be very, very careful. Yeah. She's looking for a meal ticket in that instance. Uh, so those guys, they're, uh, Sushi number five or Italian uh, number seven. <laughs> Italian number seven sounds like like their seventh Italian guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that's Mike Caldone is just like who's this? Who's this Tony motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> that's Calzone. That's Calzone for tonight. <laughs> hey, yeah. Let's go back over those red flags, you know, that, that we know. So, like, number one, we had, you know, if you're constantly getting threatened every day, you know. Number two is that cult thing, you know, with the, with the you know, where – because, like, normally this is – if you want to change – so if you change someone's life, you know, they, they say you, you break someone down to build them back up. Don't do this in relationships. I'm not – this isn't really – you know, I'm talking about, like, boot camp or whatever – but it seems like these narcissist women are like building you up so they can break you down, you know, which is like the opposite process. And, you know, going, that's like that cult behavior. You know what I mean? Like, I, I kind of wonder if the uh, if Mike's la- lady was it, like learned this from a cult, too, because like whether it's Scientologists or like weird Protestants, you, you know, like like the born agains or, or, or Pentecostals, the, you know, uh but like you know they 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 have love bombing you know uh, where they're just like hey you're you're really great you know like uh I, I think you guys know about that that book about getting your kids out of cults by steve hassan you know where, where he talks about like yeah they love bomb me into the moonies you, you know and uh that that that's what happens you, you know and then uh like number three i i, I don't know i guess number three was uh um, they don't. Ac- accusations. It might. It, it might be. It, you know. It, it kind of like it, it might start small. You know what I mean? Just because that's a big part of frame control. You, you know. If you guys aren't uh, aware, of, like what frame control is, it's basically like dictating the context of the situation. Like if you're in college, you know, the frame that and, and it's like especially dictated by the institution itself is like. The professor's up there. He's the professor. You're the student. And you have some sort of decorum, you know? And, like, usually other people in college, if you're rowdy, they'll be like, hey, shut up. We paid for this. You, you know, it's, it's well established. But, like, in terms of the dynamics between men and women, the fr- that's kind of the Wild West for frames, you know, and, and framing. Like, you, you can establish a frame by everybody knowing you and you being cool. Or like, you know, a woman that like, you don't even have to get in a relationship for a narcissistic woman to flip out, you know, like you could just be having a casual conversation at a bar, but like, you you know, a a power flex might be like, now you're a creepy dude (coughs) hitting on me like that, that that's like a great, you you know, uh, and it's not like everyone's doing this on purpose. You know, a lot of dudes will like walk up to a girl and they'll just be like, I, I, I don't know if I should be just walking up and talking to women this like wh- how they were raised or whatever. And they have all this nervous energy, you know, <laughs> and they're just like, oh, you know, ah, and then like the women, this dude comes up, they're feeling nervous 
and like every we're social creatures right so you get the mirror neurons going off and then they're feeling creeped out too because this guy feels creeped up talking to him and then they'll be like i i feel creepy i don't know why this guy is the source this is a creepy dude you know and that's not anybody's fault that's that's human nature but like you, you know uh you you know like you can either have that or either that or a narcissist but like a frame is established you know what i mean and like it's a socially accepted frame and then everyone's like oh look at that guy he he's like you shouldn't be doing you know and uh yeah uh, unless like everybody knows him so like women kind of have this social power of like frame control you you know what i mean like and that kind of goes along with like um, y- y- you know, it's, uh, I, I, that's a lot to get into, but, uh, and, and got male narcissists can do this too. Like anybody could like frame control you know, there's like dude narcissists who like, it, it kind of like Cartman, uh, that, you know, there was a season of South park where Cartman got a girlfriend and he was just a total narcissistic boyfriend where, <laughs> you, you know, like he blamed everyone for everything. Uh, Oh, I guess that it comes from that too. So like, it, it might not, Although this is kind of this is evil, arguably, it's not necessarily like intentionally nefarious all the time. If someone just has a natural habit of blaming others for everything, you know, it's that lack of taking accountability. Uh, so I, I guess, yeah, so that's red flags number three and four. Like we have, uh, all, uh, you know, threatening behavior all the time, you know, the cult, like the break of uh, building you up so they could break you down, like, like unwarranted building up where. You know, in hindsight, you might be like, oh, this is a bit incongruent. You know, we have the uh, 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 constantly like uh, uh, accusing people of stuff and like, you know, and fourth, that, that might also just come from a place of wanting to take a victim role, you know. So like three and four kind of tie into each other. Right. It, it's like the oh, you're always constantly like doing something when they feel like something like not right. You know, or like that, that's how they handle that situation. Because they take that victimization as a sense of empowerment for themselves, which enables their bad behavior. Yeah. So with my narcissistic ex, when I was trying to, when I sat down with her and was trying to uh, have some conversations about, you know, about herself to build up her self-esteem in the best way, because I cared and I was concerned, you know, she would not, she would not face herself where I, had I bought us some uh, some planners, and I was trying to get her to plan so we could, uh, you know, because she wanted to get on my level in some regards, uh, as far as you know my productivity and uh, my work ethic. And she's like, "Wow, I'm going to start waking up early like you do, and uh, I'm going to start doing this and that just like you." And uh, she ended up reverting or, or another instance where she ended up being a pill popper. And I found out later and I told her I didn't want her on those pills. And she said, but you like me when I'm on my pills, it makes me happy. And uh, I noticed that she was very upset and uh, she, she had a complete mood shift, you know, so we do have to clarify that narcissism is an actual psychological uh, issue, which must be addressed. And a lot of these people, they can't help their narcissistic tendencies. So it is, uh, it's very uh, dangerous to deal with them. So you have to be able to learn to discern these uh, red flags for the sake of your well-being. Because no matter how hard you try to reform them, uh, they just 
cannot change because it's it's dependent it's because of their brain chemistry you know you have to know you're a narcissist i was i'm a recovering narcissist i'm not joking about it i'm a recovering alcoholic and i'm a recovering narcissist i don't drink alcohol anymore which is when it goes to commitment one thing i wanted to touch on not only will they get jealous and accusatory over other women that's just level one my friends Level two, level three, they want to separate you from your family. Mm -hmm. She didn't like the fact I went to church, told me to quit going to church. She didn't like the fact I didn't drink, made her own wine and cider and tried to get me to drink that, wanted me to break my sobriety for her, and then felt like I spent too much time with my family and I needed to spend less time with my family and more time with her. Yeah, I, I think we have red flag number five, which is also from the cult playbook, breaking you off from your friends and family. Exactly. She told me my best friend was a big fake. My best friend, my closest and dearest friend. I mean, the kind of guy that, you know, take a bullet for each other and been in situations where we might have had to literally. I mean, we have had to fight our way back to back out of situations. This is one of my nearest and dearest, closest friends in the world. Paul hung out one night. It's like, yeah, you know, he was he actually lives in Dallas. I'm in the Oklahoma City area about three hours apart. I was like, yeah, and he was up in town. I was like, I can't wait for you to meet my woman. You know, we're this is long term. This is legit, man. I found the one. I want you to meet her. We're going to hang out. We're going to be friends. Of course, they didn't get along at all. And, you know, she told me he was fake and you can't trust him and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I literally didn't talk to my best bud for like two months because of her wanting to separate me from my community, my family, my sobriety and my social friends. They want to take a here's the thing for women. Like this, narcissistic women, it is all about social status. It is all about how much social status can they get out of you, right? That's why the one who left me started banging a drummer in a local crap band. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've toured around the world and worked with some of the biggest names in the industry. But hey, you got a drummer that plays in a, a, a local band that plays at a crappy bar on Thursday nights. You can't get 20 people to show up. But he also grows weed. So you got a drummer, a weed smoking drummer in his late forties. Good for you. You won. You really got me there. Yeah, and uh, you also get this if like somebody's like just crazy or has substance abuse issues. You, you know, like, uh, and I I think there's it's a Venn diagram here. I think like, but um, you, you know, a lot of these things, like for instance, with the uh, um, the it's I think a lot of it's crab pot syndrome. You know, like if you have a support group or whatever. So like my mom's in the next room. My mom, you know, she happens to uh, be, be a recovering alcoholic and uh, a bit bipolar, you know. And is so, she single? Uh, <laughs> you, you, you know, uh, and I would I wouldn't say she's like a full on narcissist, but like when she goes through her manic episode, she'll like uh, the power went out. You know, and it just caused her to have like, I guess, like a panic attack, you, you know, and, and like a manic episode. She was just like, this, this power outer isn't like anything I've ever seen. I've been alive a lot longer than you. And then she, and she was telling like, go fucking start your car to make sure it works. And I'm just, I was like, you're on your iPhone. If there's an EMP attack, you know, so I refuse to go start my car. And then that, that just got her mad, you know, you <laughs> she, gotta- she, she got to stop like, watching so much news, man. She, she got to stop like, watching so much news. She, she was like, I'm going to call my friend to come take your car, you know, because you're too weak for the apocalypse. Like, you know, but, you, you know, and uh, 
it's but anyway so like you know she, she's kind of on that scale or whatever but if she's having a manic episode like she'll she'll get mad if i'm on like do, doing my zoom mic you, you know it's like uh but uh or, or like i'm on the discord and stuff but like i think it comes from a place of like you, you know if you're if you're having like manic episodes and uh like this could also just be like psychosis uh like uh ex-amphetamine users they suffer from this too that you get like amphetamine psychosis and stuff like that and so uh a lot of these people are in a place of like they can't really get any psychological respite you know from for just because like or if they do it's like it's a mood like it could be like mood swings where you're just like manically happy or manically sad if you're bipolar it's a lot a shorter cycle someone's like has borderline personality disorder but you, you know and and this could be something to watch out for if like any if you're dating a girl and like psych meds i guess but like they're they might often be in a place of you, you know uh ju just like no respite from like the just not really having a psychological baseline so um a, a lot a lot of the time like what they're looking for too is uh like a site they need someone they could be psychologically dependent on you know like and especially like if you think about it in terms of like what 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 makes a man or like how the guys aren't just like uh success um they're supposed to be like success objects like a lot of times women who are a lot a little bit like more old school and you know they they might also just be like a man has to be like a stoic emotional anchor you know so uh a, a lot if especially if you're like the i'm gonna fix her type you you might often come across these women who are like putting out signals where they need like a strong emotional anchor and then like for you like they become like dependent on you but you know, it's nobody likes like if if somebody isn't naturally if they're if they're not like, oh, we need to be codependent, like a normal kind of codependence. But it's like the crazy kind of codependence. Then you kind of also I feel like you get this sense of jealous or something where they feel like something's not right and they want to make you dependent on them, too. So, like, I feel like you also I, I although there's a lot of overlap like a venn diagram i think you also get a lot of this like i don't want you to have outside friends behavior or whatever like at a at, it is it can be like a genuine jealousy whether it's like old like old school jealousy you know or it's like a jealousy of like having that stable like thing that they don't have that that can kind of like emotionally anchor them yeah there's that quote uh that says you are the circle of your friends and uh, a narcissist will isolate you from your friends. Uh, I introduced her to a number of my friends, as you can tell who somebody is based on their circle around them. And she did not, uh, she never introduced me to any of her friends or even mentioned her friends. Uh, well, a couple of times, but that's because a narcissist will hide uh, their misgivings and they'll be in denial. Uh, so you need to be, you need to look out for their friends. You know, because I can and tell if you don't have any friends. Exactly. Oh, that's yeah, that's that's, uh, that's a red flag right there. And that's also the thing is if a chunk of your value is in your social status to them and they want to devalue you, they need to separate you from that social status that got them attracted to you in the first place. Does right. that make sense? So if they can remove you from that social status and they go, oh, your only status is me and my approval of you. 
So I can say you're worthless. Then I can do whatever I want and treat you however I want because you're worthless. So, which you're not, but they, that's, they, you know, they're lying to themselves to justify. It's like, it's okay if I cheat, lie, steal from this person because they're worthless, right? Mm -hmm. And it's because they've separated you. Uh, Patrice O'Neill, one of my most favorite comedians who wouldn't be able to work today if he was still alive. Uh, I want to leave you guys with this. Um, uh, But basically he said this, and this is the most valid and important thing I could say in joke form about this. And that is, you've got to treat a woman like a fish and you're a fisherman. Okay. And you're there on the boat and I'm not going to do this bit justice, but hang in there with me. So you're there on the boat, you catch the fish. And the only reason you're my woman is because you're the fish I decided to keep, right? That's not how we look at it when we're insecure and start dating narcissists. They wouldn't let us look at it like that. However, it's like, woman, you're the fish I chose to keep. I chose you. You're the fish I chose to keep. And it's like, well, uh, you got me now uh, and I'm your fish. So why do you need a boat? Why do you need a fishing pole? And it's like, because if I give up the things that made you want to jump into my boat, you will no longer be attracted to me and you will go find another boat to jump into. And what I want us to do is be painfully aware that we cannot give up our fishing pole and we cannot give up our boat. The reason those women were attracted to us is because we are who we are. Now, what that means is that good women will also be attracted to us. What we've got to figure out is why we were attracted to them and not the better women. And we've got to also look out for those red flags, warning signs, and understand that those women that will use and abuse us, wring us out like a rag till the very last drop and then throw us in the garbage. We need to be aware of those women and their behaviors. We need to see their patterns and we need to stay far away from them. Don't try to change them. Don't work with them. Let them go do that. Watch out for crazy fellas. Like mental illness isn't a crime, but uh, you know, you don't need. may not be a crime, but it definitely does damage. Right. And we we have to reaffirm that the narcissism is a mental illness. And they have no control of that. So the only, the only uh, resolution is uh, is uh, they have to become become cognizant of their behavior. You know, in which back, case we have back to, in the day, we, we used to just call it neuroticism. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I, actually, I, I don't. Th- I think like it, it, it's actually sexist to diagnose someone as neurotic nowadays because that's like a old school. You, you know, uh, but uh, you, you wow, know, you're caught up in these silly terms. No, neurotic means that you are mentally unstable regardless of if you have a penis or a vagina or somewhere. Oh, yeah, I, I, I don't, but like there, there's a, uh, usually like, uh, or, or for the, for the most part, like most of the people diagnosed with neuroticism, like in the old school days were like women. Uh, so like, uh, well, Aerosmith had a great song called F I N E fine. And F I N E stands for fucked, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. And it's it was the state that a woman had left Steven Tyler, the lead singer of the band in. Oh damn! Yeah. So, so yeah, it, you know, it's like, how are you? I'm F I N E fine. I'm fucked. I'm insecure. I'm neurotic, and I'm emotional because of this woman. So oh yeah, de- definitely. So like, I've been F I N E fine a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> so. uh, guys, yeah, guys could be. It's it's actually part of like the uh, like I think like one of the big one of the spectrums or one of the sides of the spectrum on like the big five personality traits where like people can hit like test high for neuroticism which you actually get isabella mentioned the dark triad earlier so like yeah i mean we still have neurotic 
in, in like the large in, in the larger language. Yeah, that's true. One thing Isabella uh, has said to me in the past that I find life-saving, you know, to be bombastic, but at least a, a real help to the problem mm-hmm. is that even just seeking professional help, not with the idea that they're a narcissist does not work because that professional help can only feed into their narcissism. It's kind of a dream come true. It's like, you mean a person's going to sit for an hour and just let me talk about me? You know what I mean? Wow. Especially so, if you do a psychiatrist uh, because then they're fed the pills and then they reaffirm as their victim, uh, right. the victim frame. But what was it you said? Basically shaming them and so exposing them shaming is really them the, is only, the thing. only way to uh, to uh, deal with the narcissist. So then they can retreat back into their trap, into their hole. And so they can't uh, they can't find any, uh, any other victims. That's the only right. way to deal with the narcissist. Right. You cut off the food supply and the monster dies. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys, I'm going to leave with that. I got to get rolling. It's been a couple of hours. Um, I uh, got to get rolling. Thank you so much. Um, if anybody wants to know, you can find me at C hall comedy on Instagram. Uh, M hall seven, facebook.com slash M hall seven. Uh, those are the best ways to find me and to follow my shenanigans. I want to do this again soon with you guys. I want to thank you so much for having me today. Right. And uh, we enjoyed the conversation with you, Michael. Uh, you can follow myself at uh, on Instagram on the real Alpha Fantana. Uh, and you can follow Zach on his platform. Yeah, I, I'm on a I have a website, Mojo Ministry dot com and uh, my Instagram and, and that stuff's Mojo Ministry as well. Mojo Ministry. Love it. Yeah. All, All right, right gentlemen, thank you so much. Watch out for the red flags. If you find her on Facebook dating after seeing her for three months, if a guy texts you in the first week, if he hunts you down on Facebook and tells you I'm with her, believe him and get away from her. Really? This is, this is not just relegated to social media apps, even though that exacerbates the problem because I met my ex in person. You know, so just narcissism is just a. Oh, yeah. Well, she met the guy she cheated on me with in person because she supposedly deleted her Facebook app for me. But she met him while we were out on a date and I took her to a live music show. She met her next boyfriend. So it doesn't you know, it matters, but it does exacerbate the problem. Excuse me. But, um, you know, a hoe going to hoe. You know what I'm saying? A hoe going to hoe. A narcissist going to narcissist. You know what I mean? So. Um, you know, men, you're better than that. Don't get suicidal over a woman, which I have been recently. So I understand. Don't get suicidal. Don't lose your value. Understand these women are broken. They put you into a broken machine. They chewed you up and spit you out. And they're already onto the next one doing it. And whatever man, I you, go ahead, Michael. I was going to say, whatever you thought was love from her was her hustling you. And as you know, the, 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 the greater the prey the scarier the predator okay you're the prey she's the predator okay mice inherently are predators but you're not scared of them because they're only predators towards smaller insects a bear is also a predator and you are scared of it because you are its food source now the classier a woman gets the more supposedly she has the more her life is supposedly together when she's a narcissist is all that predator illusion right because you are valuable prey and a woman wants to take you down because you would be a real prize on her wall.
Yeah, your head hanging watch from out, her wall means watch, a lot. Watch out for that social mask or, or that mask. You know, it, it's kind of like a strippers. You, you know, you go you go to a strip club and the girls are like, ah, you're so funny. And it's a script, you know, like he like the first like they'll, they'll they'll be like, ah, you know, but then you, you got to, you know, typically with like the you got to like kind of cut down to them as a person, you know, not not a negative way. Just be like, oh, well, now, girl, you probably tell them have the DJ play Let It Go. But like I, I back in my day, I'd, I'd have them tell the DJ play Space Jam and they'd be like, oh, my God, I love Space Jam. And you talk about Space Jam and then you're like you're like kids, you know, and you got to go through that whole process to get to them as a real. Pro- but normally they're on that sales script and like narcissistic women are like strippers on the prowl, you yeah. know. You hey, got- man, anytime you go into a strip club, walk up to the DJ, drop 10 bucks in his tip jar and tell him to play Fuck You by CeeLo. <laughs> Damn, that's a power move. <laughs> that is. Yeah. And so every woman in that place knows, fuck you because I didn't have enough money or because, you know, fuck you for trying to come at me with money. So, yeah, Fuck You by CeeLo Green. It's a great song, therapeutic and when you walk into a club, drop the DJ some cash and he drops it and it's your song. Everybody knows you're not to be fucked with. Own oh, yeah. your Jason Bourne. Own your badassness. You might have gotten played. That's okay. We all get played. But now, you know, to never get played again, you know, to cut off that monster's food supply and you know the red flags to, to stay away from narcissistic women. And then if you've been through that and you're hurting and you're suffering right now, understand she was a broken woman. But what she brought out in you was some of your best. You hold on to that. You save that. You sit with that pain. And you say, I'm never going to feel this pain again, no matter what. I'm going to know my value. I'm not going to be insecure. And I'm not going to let her decide that I have worth. Right? We're going I'm to- the prize. Exactly. I'm the fucking prize. And we're Is going that- to reserve that love and that uh, commitment that we exhibited to that narcissist, to the right woman in our lives. Because that, as you mentioned, Michael, that this uh, that relationship had brought out the best out of you as well as it did for me. You know, this was a demonstration of what I could do when I love somebody, when I truly love somebody. So the deserving women in our lives will get that treatment. But we first and have know to- that and, and know that about yourself. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, for myself. I to have this talk with you guys I, i'm honored to be invited to talk about women even though i have like a mullet and pinup posters behind me like <laughs> hey know. look wait and let me let me just say this i love women i was raised by a single mother i have close female friends that i spend a lot of time with i spend time with my female friends every bit as much as my guy friends uh <laughs> that i love dearly and i would take a bullet for them these are wonderful women and there are a lot of great women out there uh, problem was I just wasn't attracted to them. You know, I think about in the past, the kind of women that, you know, loved me. And I was like, because I devalued myself, I thought you must be stupid if you see value in me. And so I didn't, wasn't attracted to them. I was attracted to the woman that was like, you're everything right now to what I want. And they told me the lines that I needed to hear to behave and to be devalued and then dumb. So I, I also call single mother. I, I'm pulling the single mom card too. Plus ten points for respecting women. Absolutely, women are women are amazing, I'll, I'll and I, I love all women. I just think that there are some out there that are really bad. Just like there are some bad men. That's right. However, that act, that topic has been covered and protected in courts and laws and throughout the land. Uh, but the pandemic of men committing suicide 
the vast majority of them divorced or going through bad relationships shows that we need to protect ourselves, value ourselves, let those women get with those beta bitch males and let us be badass men. Don't chase, attract.